Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Nate Reeves. I'm a care pastor here at Connection Point Christian Church, and whether you're in the center of the point or watching online, we're thrilled that you chose to spend Sunday morning with us as we just listen to what God is doing through his people, and I just get the opportunity to be out of the way this morning, which is really great. Um, So I just got to first off ask who in the room was here to listen to John last week? Was anybody here? How great was that? Right? I mean, aren't... Yeah. It's kind of foolish to continue to be surprised by God, but also how cool is that? That he just continues to bring us people over and over and over. Um, and I'm just, uh, I have to say also, I am thrilled beyond belief that I get the opportunity in the coveted position to speak the week after our new lead pastor. So that's <laughs> cool, no pressure. Um, that's okay, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna get out of the way today, so it's gonna be good. Um, I have to let you know, I have sat in a very unique seat in this church. Um, as a pastor's kid moving here in 1986, growing up in this community, watching it change, watching it be transformed through this group of people, and then uh, going off to college, coming back as an intern in 2006, and then beginning as a full-time employee here since 2008. I have just sat at a seat that has just been really interesting. And uh, I just wanna speak as a pastor's kid to just say thank you for those of you that allowed my brother, my sister, and I to not understand the preacher kid's jokes um, (laughs) because we were allowed to be normal. And uh, I really mean that from the depths of my heart. Thank you um, for this congregation. It's really rare that uh, you don't have pastor's kids put on pedestals that have to perform at a level that's not possible. And so from the depths of my heart, thank you so much. That just meant the world to my brother, my sister, and I. We're both continuing to follow our relationship with Christ as a result of how we've been loved. So thank you for that. And I just have to say and encourage you continuously, if you could do the same gift you gave our family to the Dickersons as they come here. Is that okay? Can we do that for them? Yeah. They will never be perfect and that's okay. That's somebody I want leading the charge that understands the struggles and can help us and encourage us to move closer in our walk with Christ. Um, Man, I have to tell you guys, in order to start the series off right, I'm gonna start off like I usually do with an embarrassing childhood story. So when I was nine years old, uh, my parents were both working on this summer day and I was wearing a Larry Johnson Dream Team 2 jersey. Grandmama, anyone, 5% of you in the room get that? Okay. Um, So as we were playing tip in 21, I took a break from the game, I'm sure I lost. I sat in the grass and all of a sudden my friends, we were talking, they were looking at me and all of a sudden it switched to like this horror film look in their face. Like they had just got done watching It or something. They were looking at me like, oh no, what's going on? And I was like, what's happening? I looked down, I felt this burning, itching sensation all up and down my body. I had just sat on an anthill and was covered in ants. Yeah, super fun, super fun. Um, So as this was happening, I freaked out, naturally. Uh, we got the cutting edge technology of a cordless phone out to me. I called my parents at work, couldn't get a hold of either one of them, but Vicki Polly, the church secretary who had just passed away this year, picked up the phone, heard the kind of voice that I had and uh, made her way over to our church, picked up some anti-itch ointment, got me, put some anti-itch ointment on me, got me a Gatorade and said, your mom will be back in an hour. It'll go away, I promise. And then she took off of her cape, went back to the work to be the church secretary, <laughs> and on with her day. Um, so first off, to all the moms and dads in the room that have checked things off of a list that you never thought were gonna be possible, thank you from the bottom of my heart, just uh, all the things that you've done. And uh, back to Vicki. She really was the church secretary, but honestly, that's just a title. It didn't matter what she was as a servant and the caretaker, and she did that over and over and over. And there are tons of people in this church that have just been spiritual giants of caretakers uh, for people like me and people in this community and around this world that just give of themselves almost to the point of being reckless, of just knowing that Jesus has given me this, so I'm just going to give it away. So thank you so much for that. Um, just sitting in the seat that I have, it's 
unique. And I thought, I'm going to take this opportunity and thank you all for this. So as we talk about the series of Rooted, what we've been looking at is simply what the Bible commands of us and how uniquely positioned Connection Point is, that we need to tap into this more and more. And so what we've been looking at are our all-in values, which are spiritual growth, community, serving, oh my goodness, and generosity. Sorry, that was really bad. I forgot things. It's cool. It happens. Um, <laughs> grace, mercy, that's good. It's uh, <laughs> our all-in values. I forgot one. Uh, but now here's the truth. In order to get into this more holistically, I need everyone just to personally evaluate yourself. Whether you've been going here a long time, you've been following Christ with everything that you've got for 20 plus years, you've been here for just maybe a, a few seasons, um, or you don't even know where you are with your faith. Just think along the lines of what you know about God, what you know about Christ, and think about this question as we go into this culture of care. Is what does caring, and what you know about Christ, what you know about the Bible, what does caring for others require of you and what does allowing yourself to be cared for require of you? So let me ask that again. In what you believe the Bible to say, what does caring for others require of you and what does allowing yourself to be cared for require of you? Think about that. Because every single week of the series, there's been something unique that either as a reminder, as something brand new has brought some people's hearts and minds to be transformed in a way that sees Jesus and God in a whole new light. And so as we talk about caring, those of you that have switched off and said, I don't want to hear about puppies and rainbows and birthday cakes as caring, that's actually not what this is. In fact, as you know, some of you that have had to care for people, you really have to fight. It's an everyday burden sometimes because some people won't let you care for them and you have to continue to fight just to be in their life. Or maybe that's you. You're the person that people have to fight for because you always answer the question with how are you doing with fine and you're not fine. It's a fight every single day to care for people who are going through things. Because let's be real, do you think where we are in our culture today, when you look on social media, you listen to the news, you overhear conversations at Boulder Creek or Bob Evans or Starbucks, do you think the relational temperature and the caring temperature of the world today is where God hoped for it to be? Do you think it's where we hope for it to be? It's not, it never will be, it never has. This is not heaven, this is a world full of pain, but this is also a world that God has called us to love. And that's how we separate ourselves. We'd be in the world by being with people who are going through pain, but also we separate ourselves by the love of Jesus. And so what I'm gonna look at first of all is out of the book of 1 John chapter three, and this is an epistle from the apostle John who wrote to the churches that are just starting up and he's just encouraging them by reminders of giving them two reminders. It's just, it's all about a love of Jesus and, about the, and it's about the light of his truth. He's just reminding them who they're made to be because let's be real, we need to wake up every single day and be reminded at the end of our day who we really are. And that's all John's trying to do. So as we talk about caring for people, as we think about who in our life we need to do this for, and maybe that's ourselves as well, think about these verses in light of your life. First John chapter three, verse 16 through 18. It says, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us so we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? So dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other, let us show the truth by our actions. Now there's a lot to unpack there, so we're gonna walk through that a little more slowly. But as we talk about today, there's one line I wanna remind you about that's gonna be weaved in and out of this. It's simply this that caring for everyone is worth fighting for. Caring for every single person is worth fighting for. So as John's reminder to us is that Jesus gave up everything to care for us. So we also, also ought to give up our lives for other people. Here's what this means. Your time 
is gonna be more complicated. You'll probably get less sleep. Some of us need to do less tasks and talk a little bit more. Some of us, like myself can relate to, should talk a little less and do a little more. Some of us are gonna understand that our time is not our own and that's gonna require some sacrifices of yourself to love people with what you know they need because God unmistakably puts somebody in your life that you know only you can care for the way that God has laid out. So whatever it might be, you're gonna have to truly fight to care for people. So I'm just gonna share with you four different ways of first of all, how we can fight to care for others. There's gonna be four stories of individuals, three videos, and one book that I wanna share with you about of this congregation and a church that we partner largely with. So the first area that we need to care for people and fighting for is this. You need to care where you are uncomfortable. A person that I've had the privilege of getting to know as a mentor and a friend, his name is Tony Hart Sr., and he um, is one of the pastors on the staff at New Era Church, which is a sister church of ours downtown. And they're at a completely different location than us, down by 29th and Martin Luther King. Um, and that position and their, the location of where they are in the city makes a lot of people just naturally uncomfortable. But Tony shares about how they've leveraged that community to care for people that most would find uncomfortable, but they have found an opportunity, and he individually has used that and leveraged that to really love people with the love of Christ. Listen to Tony's story of how he cares in the uncomfortable. We serve the New Era um, area. We've um, served them through our food pantry. We serve them through an after-school program. We uh, employ a lot of the, many times, grown men that are just standing on the streets with little uh, jobs around the church. We try to invite them and let them know that we want to hear your story. We want to listen to you. We want to encourage you and empower you. Oftentimes we're going on the bridges. Oftentimes we're going uh, to different homes and meeting them and oftentimes they're just standing out in the street and we try to encourage and empower them by letting them know that hey we're there as a church community for them and that Jesus loves them. At the end of the day, we realize that really we're just only one decision away uh, from being in very challenging situations, from the drugs, from the lack of employment, from the lack of being able to have food in our community because grocery stores have moved out, um, banks have moved out, businesses have moved out, and they've left the community with uh, very little hope. I can remember um, taking a staff member through our community at New Era, and one of the things that we saw was a gentleman standing um, up under the bridge. And to the staff member, it may have been just a, a man standing under the bridge, but that man was my friend. And I see him all the time. I encourage him. Um, he stands out looking for and wanting uh, money, you know, and sometimes I may take him a snack by, um, sometimes I may give him money, but he knows that he can always come to the church. And he usually comes to the church on, on a Tuesday night uh, when our pantry is open. When we went into the community, there were young men. Most of these young men should have probably uh, been working this time of day, but um, because of hopelessness, they found themselves um, on the side of the road and um, they were just hoping that a car would come by and uh, maybe by drugs. Those young men, those are my friends. I meet them, I talk with them. So I'm just hoping one day that they will um, realize, you know, oh, Tony used to come by 
and, and talking, encouraging me. You know, now I know what he was talking about. And maybe one day they'll be Tony, you know, uh, to someone in their community or someone in their family, um, just encouraging them with the love of Christ. Caring is one of the most critical characteristics of a Christian. When I think of why I do what I do, it's so that the Lord may be glorified. It's so that those that are empty might be filled with the love of Jesus Christ. And I'm just so glad that serving is not something um, I feel that I have to do. It's something I feel that I get to do. It's an opportunity. Um, it's an opportunity to be the hand, the feet, and the mouth uh, of Jesus Christ. So here's what you just heard, and I've seen acted out. 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. For we know what real love is, because Jesus gave up his life for us, so we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Tony Hart Sr., that name might sound familiar because his son actually came and spoke with Chad Johnson a few weeks ago as we talked about what it looks like to be rooted in serving. And uh, my relationship with Tony has been just too, truly transformative because I thought I knew what uncomfortable was because I've had 10 years of experience of working with middle school students and I love that, so I was like numb to uncomfortability. But he has completely shifted my understanding of that. And he gets in the mess and says, I know the way out. I love that about Tony. So you may not work down by people who are underneath of a bridge or drug dealers up and down your block or by where you work, but who are the people in your life that make it extremely hard to be around them? Who are the people in your life that are extremely uncomfortable folks that you know that you have been called by God because he continues to put them before you and you need to start caring for them because it's uncomfortable. The second area we need to look at besides being uncomfortable is this. You need to care where you are unprepared. I've gotten the privilege to get to know this guy over the past few months and uh, man, there's a, lot, there's a lot more depth there and I'm just now getting to it but his name is Dave Beck. He showed up at our church willing to serve, and uh, he has specific skill sets and gifts that he wanted to use to help our facilities team. And um, as most of us do, we find out we have a gift and we want to use it and we get involved in something that's using that gift for God's glory. And so uh, he thought he was showing up to something that was going to use that gift. But as Dave finds out, God had completely different plans. And listen, even though he was unprepared, to God's response to Dave and how Dave responded with this call to care in the unprepared. Watch Dave's story. My wife and I had been members at Connection Point for almost three years, probably. And I was looking for a new way to get uh, plugged in, to get involved in something more. So I read in the bulletin one Sunday about an accessibility meeting. I thought, well, great, this is right up my alley. I work at a local hospital. I'm out a uh, facilities person. I get involved in ADA requirements and signage and parking lots and sidewalks, so I thought, I'll, I'm going to go to that, I'll be, be able to contribute. So I went, when I showed up, I realized a lot of people in there that were set up and playing games and doing things, and uh, there were no facilities people in there, it was for uh, people with disabilities and challenges and their caregivers. I just kind of made sure I was in the right room, and I was. And uh, so I sat down and participated. I uh, sat down and uh, started conversing with some people, met some people, and I thought, well, okay, this is what this is, and this is where I was brought to. 
By the end of the meeting, I realized that I had never witnessed that sort of love or never seen that kind of love or felt that kind of love in a group before, ever. I just felt compelled to uh, soak it in, and it was just a, an awesome experience. After meeting with the group uh, for over almost two years now and uh, becoming friends with many of them and uh, becoming acquainted with their families, I have learned so much how to interact with someone. Prior to this experience, I was always just a little bit standoffish, a little bit awkward, not really sure how to approach someone with a disability uh, or their family uh, when they were out. And now, um, when I go to meetings, and uh, I, I mean, I'm looking forward to the next person coming through the door and greeting them and just uh, having a good time and uh, sharing a joke or uh, sharing uh, any kind of an experience that they might find that's enjoyable and uh, we just do a lot of various things in these uh, meetings and have a great time and uh, learn to share with each other. Every person uh, I have found, uh, no matter if it's a caregiver or the person with the challenge, is a resource to the group. They're uh, very much uh, contribute, they contribute to the group and they make it what it is and it's just, it's just a beautiful experience. It's important to take on a relationship with anybody that you feel is different from you or that uh, you maybe feel uncomfortable with because that is uh, the Christ reaction. Christ gives us the, the courage to do that. He gives us the means to do that. He also, I believe, expects that from uh, a Christian. Here's what you just heard. 1 John chapter 3, verse 17. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dave showed up thinking he was going to use his gift of his facilities knowledge and, and building knowledge and whatnot and shows up at a, at a group that was for disabled people, he had two options. He could say, well, I showed up at the wrong thing, I'll look and, and find where I'm supposed to serve. Or you could sit and learn and ask God, was this on purpose? And Dave did that. And I know a lot of people in this church have done that. Because God's plans are, are they're often different than ours. And unless you're pursuing his will for your life, Rarely will you find God's call for you. And so Dave's going on a second year, and like he said, he goes, I couldn't leave that place because I've never felt a love in the room like a love like that. So where are you asking yourself and asking the Lord in your time with him, where have you put somebody in my life that I'm not prepared to serve, but you want me to do this still? Our daughter, Everly, who I don't have a picture of, which everyone's like, why don't you have a picture of your daughter? I know I'm like the only dad that doesn't do that. I, I screwed up. It's okay. God's merciful, God. Hopefully you are too. Um, she's really cute though. Just take my word at that. But uh, Everly, we've been going back and forth between uh, St. Louis and here just to get her foot uh, cared for because she has club feet and she's getting those cast. And um, she loves that, by the way, when we pin her down and they cast her, she loves that. Not really. Um, but as that's been going on, we've been actually talking to the doctor and the nurse. And one of the nurses um, it was around Halloween, and we were asking her, so how's trick-or-treating? You guys getting ready for that, getting prepared for that? How old are your kids? You know, where are they dressed as? And I uh, found out she's like, no, they're too old for that. I got a daughter who's 23, or I've got a son who's 23, and my daughter is forever 16. 
So Forever 16, okay. I'm going to ask a question. I don't know what that means. Uh, what Forever 16? She's like, well, seven years ago, my daughter died in a car accident. And so you could hear that. And so I just simply asked her after that, because I've been around people who have lost before, and I was like, can you tell me about your daughter? I want to know about her. What do you remember about her? And she beamed. She was excited, period. She's like, you know what? No one asked me to feel so scared to ask me about who she was, that they don't even talk about it. It's like this uncomfortable, I don't want to offend you, so I don't ask questions. And she just talked so much that we almost had to like ask her to leave because we had to get out of there. Um, <laughs> but don't discount what God can do through you. That's not to edify myself whatsoever, trust me, but it's just I've seen people go through pain, and the truth is it's like she remembers her daughter. She wants to talk about her daughter. God didn't prepare me for that circumstance, but I've watched people like yourselves do that so well for so long that that's all I wanted to do is just care for people and love them because of what she's doing and caring for my daughter to help her to able, you know, get a soccer scholarship down the road. We'll see. Um, but I'm just kidding. But man, people just, they want to be cared for. So let's not be afraid of what we feel might offend people. Instead, just ask God, do you want me to say something? God may not prepare you fully, but if you pursue him, he's probably pursued you and equipped you and cared for you and prepared you better than you might think. So the second area is being caring and where we're unprepared. The third area is this, that we need to care where we are unequipped. There are times in our lives where there's rhythms of certain things happening over and over and over, and you're asking God, why is this always happening around me? Why are all my friends getting divorced? Why are all my friends going through a pain point in their life? Why is this always happening? And why am I just the one, it seems like I'm the caretaker for all these people in different seasons. Well, that person that I had a chance to get to know that this happened to was Jennifer Failer, and she had met a number of different people that were coming up with her who have lost a child through miscarriage and infertility. And she didn't know why. She didn't know what was going on, but God had a plan for her that she was unequipped in, and watch and listen to Jennifer's story of how God met her to care for when she is unequipped. Check this out. I just had so many friends who had suffered either from miscarriage or infertility, and they were just doing it alone. My heart just broke for them that I felt like I was that one friend they were talking to, but I felt if women had a chance to talk to other women, they would be able to feel like they weren't alone. If you group miscarriage or infertility together, that that's one in every three families, I realized what a really big need it was that was around us. One night we were at a um, small group and a staff member at church, we were discussing the question, what is God laying on your heart that you're not listening to? that he's prompted you multiple times that you're ignoring. And it was kind of one of those questions that everyone tries to just brush right past. And um, he came back and he said, no, we are going around the circle and every person is answering this question. My answer was that God was prompting me to start a miscarriage and infertility group at this church. I um, had ignored that prompting for a really long time because I didn't have a testimony of it. My husband and I were really blessed to expand our family. We were so lucky to avoid loss that so many families go through, and I felt like, God, you cannot possibly be asking me to do this when there are so many families that already have a testimony of it that could lead. But I was so um, disappointed in the church and the church as a whole. Why aren't they doing something for these people? And I felt like God kept telling me, um, you're the church, and he's asked you to do it. Another girl in my group felt the same way, and we both felt that same calling. And um, so we decided, with no idea what we were doing, that we were going to move forward and just um, 
try to be faithful and obedient, even though we had no idea what we were doing. At the time that we started the group, um, I was pregnant, and I really didn't want to start the group because I still believed that God would not call me to this without a testimony, and I felt that the only way he could truly prepare me for this ministry um, was for me to lose that baby. And we had a really tumultuous pregnancy, and it was really difficult, and the whole time um, I just feared that that's how I was being prepared. And um, luckily, by the grace of God, that was not part of our story. We felt like if women just had a chance to talk to other women, that it wouldn't even matter how prepared we were, we just really needed to provide them with the space to meet with each other. We have never had one leader who felt like, yes, Lord, please send me. You know, every leader we've ever had has been really reluctant, but they have felt like God has spoken to them, and they, they knew before we asked them to lead that he was asking them um, to be faithful in that way, and we just feel like that's part of how he's moved through this group. Is he's um, brought us the leaders that we've needed when we've needed them, and they've all brought something to the table that just helped women in that group um, to heal and to ultimately grow closer to him. One of the most exciting things about the group is that um, less than half of the people that attend our group go to Connection Point. A really fun part about the group, especially this year, is we've seen a lot of group of people from other churches and then even more exciting people that don't have a church home or um, don't yet have a relationship with Christ that are just hurting and wanting to find people um, that they can talk to that share a common story. So that's been a, um, a really exciting part about the, the growth that we've seen this year. It really is a struggle, infertility or miscarriage really affect marriages. And so we really try to just build up those marriages and we have a night where husbands are invited so that we can just invest in relationships more. And um, although men in general don't like to come to a group and talk about all their feelings about these subjects, um, we have just such strong husbands at home that are so grateful that their wives have a chance to come to a place and just share with people. 1 John chapter 3, verse 18. Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other, let us show the truth by our actions. What Jennifer said that got the ball rolling in her mind and these other women's minds was this question in her small group that was asked, what is God laying on your heart that you're not listening to? What has he put before you that you've been ignoring, that you've been stiff-arming? I love the story of God as being glorified through them because none of them are equipped None of them were prepared. None of them had any idea that they were supposed to do this, but it was obvious that they were called into this ministry. You know, it's, it's interesting, too, as I look at that verse and hear about that verse and, and think about that of how we have to stop talking so much. I think there's, there should be a version of the Bible that's just jazz song titles because there's an artist named Mose Allison who wrote a, who wrote a song. It's called, uh, Your Mind is on Vacation, Your Mouth is Working Overtime. Okay. We talk a lot. But how much of us are actually doing it? And these women have just led at such a high level. So fight to care where you specifically are unequipped. The last area is we need to care where our story leads. This is a little bit different, but Sarah Forgrave and the Forgrave family, her husband Jeff, I got to know a little bit more just because he served in student ministry where I was for a few years. And I did not know the wife, his wife's story, Sarah. Uh, she wrote a book, and it's this book right here, Prayers for hope and healing. 
And uh, what this book is really all about, uh, I did not know until we had a gathering of uh, care pastors from a bunch of different churches. Sarah came up front and just walked us through a bit of her journey, which is simply that she had faced health challenges. And by that, I mean just physical health challenges, uh, being in a hospital and coming home and then not being able to do what you used to be able to do and struggling in that. Because it doesn't just hit you physically, it hits you mentally, it hits you socially, it hits you spiritually, and all the different avenues of that. And Jim Littlejohn, who's been on our staff for 12 years, told me he doesn't know anything out there that's like this. So if you know of someone who is either in the hospital right now or has just gotten home from the hospital, or maybe this is someone you know that's in your life right now, a neighbor, a family friend, or maybe it's you individually, please go and check this book out. She's gonna be available right outside the library, which is just through the lobby, past the living room. She's gonna be right there where Pastor John's uh, books were, but it's a great book because it's just hope from the Word of God, and it's a daily devotional that just helps people day after day, and just to read a few titles just to give you perspective of what it might do for people. When you feel angry, when you can't sleep, when you feel trapped, when you get bad news, when you need a second opinion, it's just really transformative, and I'll tell you that the beautiful thing, not just from the Word of God, but what it also does is it helps people see something. And that's very, very awesome how God works. But in my time of caring for people, one of the best things that happens to me when I care for someone is when I hear someone who's struggling and I'm able to think of someone that I know has been through that same pain point and I'm able to give them a friendship because of somebody else that says, I understand. And there's something powerful about this book that understands what it's like to go through that. I don't personally understand it, but Sarah does. And so maybe that's what that connection is. You see... God actually gave Paul these words to this, to this uh, letter to the church in Corinth out of uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. He says this, that all praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they're troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. You see, what's so beautiful about that is it's not just God caring for us right there, but he gives us people. That's God's comfort as well. It's when he's given other people to care for you. That's true friendship. You see, God didn't do these things that happened to us. We're confused right now because there's a lot of pain. There's cancer, there's divorce, there's, there's mental health and all these questions that are coming up. And the truth is we live in a broken and fallen world where there's just pain everywhere. But the truth is also that the hope of God is just straight out of his word. And we have to go to that. And this church is uniquely positioned because I've seen people here at this church and in this community care for people in this very specific way. Paul, in his church, in his letter to the church in Philippi, who's going through persecution, he's sitting uncomfortably in a prison cell, not that anyone sits comfortably in a prison cell, but as Paul's writing this letter, he's just encouraging them just to share with them, you know what, no matter what trials you're facing, no matter what's going on, it's always worth it. He says this in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish, don't try to impress others, be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Again, being able to just watch as a child, as a preacher's kid, as an intern, as a staff member, I've just watched people do this so well for such a long time, and we can't ever stop doing it. Because whether it's in a small group, whether it's in the Hilltoppers, whether you're in the sports and fitness uh, area, or if you serve in the military support group, which on Veterans Day weekend, you talk about sacrificial love. 
and all the people and what they've done for us and all the spouses that are having to deal with not having their spouse around and just knowing what they've done for them in our country and the people around just to love one another well. It's so beautiful to see that God has cared for us and he brings us this community of believers just to encourage us. But I wanna highlight specifically four care groups of people who have been through pain that we're gonna just encourage you to go see if this is you. But we have four care groups here that offer support for people who are experiencing some pain. Grief Share, this is a course, the woman who leads this group had lost 11 people in a course of 18 months very close to her. And so she attended a Grief Share class and said, God had prompted her and she said, I'm in no position to ever lead anything, but here God has her 10 years later, still doing this. Divorce Care, you heard John talk about this last week, how 15 years ago someone showed up at that class and found a church home because someone said, I understand, let's care for you. Disabilities Group, you heard uh, Dave Beck share about the impact of that group on his life. Miscarriage and infertility, Jennifer Failer shared about what has gone on through that. All these groups, all these people will be available in room B107, which is just through the lobby, past the living room, and past where Sarah's gonna be selling her book just to the left. I understand this might be uncomfortable for you to even step up and, and reach out to somebody, but maybe it's not just you, maybe it's someone you know. And you need to understand how to talk to someone to encourage them to take a step out because they haven't yet let themselves heal. But finding community, finding people that are gonna point you back to Christ and finding a friend that's had something similar pain in their, hap- their life happen, that's what these groups are all about. And I have to tell you, recently something shifted in my life as becoming a dad. Um, I know that's not new for you, to, that uh, being a parent has changed people's lives. But for me, it really changed specifically because I simply asked God, which maybe was a mistake, but I know it wasn't. I asked God, what do I need to work on to become the dad that my daughter needs? And I listened, and he answered it way too quickly for my comfortability. <laughs> he laid on me very quickly. He goes, uh, it's my pride and my self-righteousness. I sit in a room and I think I'm the smartest person a lot. I sit in the room and I'll be at home and I want my time. I wanna watch more sports. I wanna go out with my friends more. I wanna do this stuff. It's, it's, it's a kid, how much do they really need me around? You know? And God obviously quickly pulled me back in and said, look what I've done for you. And I say this not to brag and say, look how great of a Christian I am in working through these pain points. No, actually I say this to say, look how far I am from him and how much more I need him. But what this has also done for me this past year of journeying with God and being closer with him is I've gone from needing God, knowing I need God, to wanting him. And there's a greater need there because I know I need to eat vegetables more, but I don't. (laughs) But when you want God, when you want him, when you sincerely want to listen to him, when you sincerely want to be around him, it just transforms every ounce of you. And all you want to do is look in the eyes of three people every single day and give them God-honoring encouragement that would start up a revelation because the love of Jesus is so in-depth in my heart that all I want to see is people know who they are and how good that is just to be able to want him in that way. I shared this with a friend of mine who has uh, helped expand the uh, Christian movement and the Christ movement in a country that's predominantly Muslim and Hindu in the country of India. And he listened to me and heard me talk about being a dad and he just laughed at me, which was really encouraging. Um, but he goes, no, you're gonna, that's gonna be every day, man. You're gonna fight that every day. But how good it is to know. And he goes, Nate, I, I recently took a trip uh, to some places in the book of Acts, which the book of Acts is after the gospels. It's the movement of the church after Christ had ascended into heaven. And he goes, I've reread that over and over before I took these trips to these little places that, that Paul and, and Luke wrote about. And he goes, simply what, they, what the book is summed up with is simply just this one statement right here. It's that the world does not need any more leaders. It needs more spiritual fathers and mothers. That's all it is. 
And Greg Moore talked about this a few weeks ago as he talked about leadership because leadership is nothing other than just knowing how well you follow. And so as we follow our heavenly father and we know what he gave up by giving us his only son, there's no greater way than to give away your life for other people and to give away your family's life just to say we're gonna serve, we're gonna love, we're gonna care, and we're gonna listen. And so what I've done, what that statement did was rock me first of all. And I took an inventory of the parents in my life not just like my biological ones, but all the people that fought to care for me when I didn't want to hear it, that fought to listen to me, that fought to, to really just be in the depths of me when I didn't really have any interest in them caring for me. And so I'm going to walk you through real quick because this is for me, not for you, but whatever. You can do this on your own time. But here are the spiritual fathers that I had in my life. Steve Reeves, my biological father, Stan Gerard, little league coach, family friend, Dave Faust, president of my Bible college, Craig Hansen, executive pastor, Greg Pinton, elder family friend, Dave Gilbert, father-in-law, Danny Schaffner, youth pastor, Jeff Hoovner, small group leader, Dan Crum, missionary, Steve Yetton, professor, Bob Perkins, elder, Tony Hart, senior, pastor, Victor John, missionary, Kurt Rudsley, small group leader, Dale Reeves, Craig Stanforth, Kyle Stanforth, Kevin Stanforth, and Ed Carl, uncles, Dave Wollenhouse, children's pastor and mentor, Randy Kett, Little League coach, Brian Fike, executive pastor, Byron Lowe, professional coach, Dave Springer, just one of my favorite humans of all time, Jim Littlejohn, pastor. These men fought to listen to me and to make me listen to them when I didn't want to hear it. The women in my life, oh Lord. <laughs> Kristen Reeves, my mom, Sherry Gilbert, my mother-in-law, Sandy Lanky and Jeannie Stanich, my second mom's growing up. Erling State family friend, Vicki Polly, church secretary, Evelyn Taylor, professor, Pat Lemon and Sue Farmer, just giants of this church, Usha, missionary, Don Springer, missionary, Karen Stanforth, Lynn Stanforth, Lisa Stanforth, Angie Carl, Karen Reeves, aunts, Teresa Byington, family friend, Laura Basso, coworker, Janet Gordon, coworker. These people did everything, sacrificed time away from other stuff. And I don't think they know it fully, but Rarely as parents, just being a former youth pastor, I can tell you, I saw the best of your kids, and I know some of you never really saw that. You probably don't get that on a daily basis, but I see who they're made to be. And so I guess the question is for me to you, I struggle on a daily basis and pray against pride and insecurity and self-righteousness, but here's the deal. I can't imagine where I'd be like without these 40-plus individuals. Cannot imagine. And there's tons of kids that show up here on a daily basis. There's tons of kids in your neighborhood. There's tons of kids that you know about who are coworkers of yours. Have you fought for them the way that I was fought for? As a preacher's kid, I had plenty of resources. I realized I probably know more people than some do. But we have to all fight to care for every single person because that's what God has laid on our hearts. So two questions I want to leave you with. The first of which is this, knowing that we need to care in the unequipped, unprepared, uncomfortable, and with our story. Who has God put in your life that you need to fight harder to care for? Who in your life have you said, well, they just, they're not interested? Fight harder. Who is it? Second of which is this. Who has God put in your life that you need to allow to care for you? People that you know have no agenda in conversation and they ask those three little words that don't mean much until you actually answer the question, how are you? Who are people in your life that ask the question to you, how are you? And they have no agenda, but they want to care for you and you just say, I'm fine. Everything's great. It's all good. Have you let them in? When Jesus says, let the little children come to me, it's not an instruction of just little children, it's an instruction of us. Have you let yourself come to know him? And are you letting your children, you know you can't control them, are you allowing them to see God as well? Being cared for 
and caring for others is a foundational principle of loving Jesus and letting him love me. So how are we doing that? Because when you see every single person like Jesus does, you see that caring for everyone is worth in every way fighting for. At this time, we're gonna prepare our hearts for communion and we think about the sacrifice of God's only son, Jesus Christ. There's gonna be trays passed up and down the aisles that represent the body and the blood of Christ. Just hold on to those and someone will come out and lead us through that. But in this time with the Lord, that name that might have been in your head of who you need to care for in a greater capacity or who you need to let care for you, give that over to God, listen to him, and maybe make a plan of action to not just be words anymore that I need to do that, but maybe start that step today and let God care for you and let yourself care for others the way that God has shifted your life to care for others. Let's pray. Awesome, Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity that we get to glorify you. God, that all the different gifts in this room, I pray that we don't seek the glory for us, God, but we seek the glory for you. That the uniqueness that you have prepared us with, God, sometimes you put us in positions that we have not been prepared for, but that we trust you. God, I pray that the increase of care will revolutionize this world because they're seeing that we're different by Christians, God. When that song that says, we know we are Christians by our love, God, that people will actually see that. They'll, they'll, they'll stop hearing about it and they'll just watch it unfold. So God, no matter where we are, no matter where our walks of faith are, God, I pray that we just stop and listen long enough to hear your plan. And I pray that we apply that to every single part of our life, whether at work, whether in family, whether in our neighborhood. And Father, that we surrender all that we have to you and know that your plan for us is greater than anything we could ever plan for. It's by the grace of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen.